If you've got your scriptures, go ahead and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, cannot praise you enough for all that you have done for us. Uh, Lord, you've given us so much, and we're thankful for this weekend as we focus on men and women and those who have labored, who have rolled up their sleeves and served in our community. And Lord, we also thank you for all those who have labored uh, ahead of us, those who have passed away, who have given us a remarkable example to follow. And it's in Jesus' holy name that I pray, amen. I love this particular text that we're going to get into as we continue through the book of First Peter, and especially chapter 2. I think it has a lot to say to us this morning. I was thinking this is a big week for me. Uh, on uh, September 1st, my wife Marie, uh, we celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. That's right, 32 years. Yeah. Let me tell you what I did for a little special uh, painting the town IU read. Uh, two words, cracker barrel. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been married over 30 years, you know what a romantic evening is? You got a gift card, that's where we're going. Okay, so that's exactly where we went. But not long ago, she gave me a huge hug, and she looked me in the eyes, and she said, I got to tell you, after all these years, you are still a stud muffin. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then she said, 20% stud, 80% muffin. Now, seriously, we may not make it to 33%. There's an amazing book I would love all of you. Uh, to purchase. It is a great book. It's really, to me, it's been timeless over the years. And it's a book called The Blessing. It's by Dr. John Trent and Gary Smalley. Matter of fact, uh, to make a plug, and I got to tell you, this is exciting. On the weekend of October 21st through 23rd, Dr. John Trent's going to be here. Uh, he's going to have a time with our men. He's going to have a time with our marriage ministry. And then he's going to be preaching here. So you don't want to miss that. He is a professor now at uh, Moody Bible Institute. Remarkable guy. And one of the things that he says, not only from the blessing, but in other studies, he talks about the power of word pictures. And when you go through the scripture, I want to tell you, there are countless word pictures. And here's what he says. In ancient Hebrew, like China and ancient Egypt, every word was formed by adding pictures together to paint or to illustrate the meaning of a word. So when we read through God's word, we need to understand that it has so many powerful word pictures. So you need to step back, all of us, and say, what is God communicating? Not just through the word, but behind the scenes, pulling back the curtain, the powerful word pictures. Our world today calls, calls those word pictures logos, and you've seen them. Anytime you see the apple, you know it's Macintosh, or the golden arches, you know that it's McDonald's. When you see the swoosh, you know it's Nike, and when you see that green bubble, you should think of yes to love. Word pictures, they're powerful. I experienced this firsthand uh, years ago as a weekend youth minister that I had down in Missouri, and we were going to a youth rally, and they were with junior high kids. And I had the junior high boys in my car, and another sponsor had the junior high girls. And when we got on the highway, of course, the boys were like, man, you got to pass that car. you got to pass the girls. And I said, okay, why, why do we want to do that? And they said, because we want to, you know, make fun of them. And I said, no, 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 take out a marker. If you know me, I've always got a marker. Take out a marker, and I want you to write something really nice about the junior high girls. And they're like, uh, like there's nothing nice 
about the junior high girl. I said, no, seriously, come up with something. Be creative. And I could tell they had nothing. And I said, why don't you write, now I'm aging myself, why don't you write, who needs Charlie's Angels? We've got you. And they're like, there's not one girl that looks like Farrah Fawcett. Oh, back it down, just write it. And of course they misspelled Charlie's. But anyway, they, who needs Charlie's Angels who got you? And so we passed them and the girls look over and they stick that sign up in the window. And man, they just freaked out. They're like, oh, you know, they're chewing their hair. And, and you could see them scrambling to get a marker. You know, they're scribbling. And now the guys are like, I wonder what they're going to write. And so we, you know, we slowed down. The girls passed up. They put a sign that said, who needs Rocky? We've got you. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, they're going, you know what I'm saying? Hey, we understand the world of word pictures. All of us understand that. That's why when we read today's text, I want you to know the power. We're going to talk about and frame two word pictures that paint this picture of what Jesus Christ thinks about us. Now think about that. Word pictures that describe his love for everybody that's here this morning. Turn with me then and start in verse 1. Therefore, we rid ourselves of malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, we crave pure spiritual milk so that by you, you may grow up into your salvation. Now that you have tasted the Lord, it is good. And as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God, precious to him, you are also like what? living stones being built into this spiritual house. Man, did you see that word picture? Can you feel that? You are living stones. All of us here today, we are living stones. Now, it is critical anytime you get into the text that you ask yourself two questions. Who wrote it and when it was written? So who wrote this? Well, it's Peter. Now, if you took the life of Peter and you were interviewing Peter and you gave him personality test, what would be the one word that would describe Peter? And I believe it's the word passion. Everything he did, everything he said, he brought it with 100% passion. He walked with Jesus. He talked to Jesus and he heard those powerful descriptions of Jesus through his life. Think of these word pictures. Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world. He's the lion of Judah. And in Matthew 16, I love it because Jesus hears this amazing confession. Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the what? Son of the living God. And Jesus said what? Upon this rock, I will build this church. Jesus is the rock. Later on, he heard Jesus make this amazing prediction in Matthew 26, 61. He said, the world will destroy the temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Once again, the temple. How could anybody take this physical temple and tear it down and in three days build it back up? That is impossible. And of course, Peter realized he's not talking about a physical temple. He's talking about a spiritual temple. And we need to understand that he reaches out then to us, Peter's words, and he said, now listen, you know Jesus Christ is the rock. He is the foundation. Now, when did he write it? This is critical also. 
It was written somewhere between 55 and 65 AD, 30 years approximately after the resurrection of Christ. Persecution is just bearing down on the church. So you got to remember every word that Peter writes, deep down he knows this may be the last letter I ever write because I'm going to die for Jesus Christ and I know my, day, my days are numbered. And I know that the church is being persecuted. And so they need words of hope. And they need to know that there is a foundation that they can build their entire life on. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. Years ago, I had the opportunity to go to New York City. And I uh, got to stand under that iconic building, the Empire State Building. How many have ever been to the Empire State Building? Okay, I, I got to tell you, as I looked up, all I can think about was the backdrop of all these amazing movies that the Empire State Building was the theme of that movie. King Kong, An Affair to Remember, and of course, the greatest chick flick of all time. What? Sleepless in Seattle. Okay, whatever. Okay. Only thing worse than that is the notebook. Thank you. But, <laughs> but I looked up there and I thought, man, as majestic as this building is, there's something even more remarkable. You know what it is? It's the foundation that that building sets on. In 1930, when they began to dig deep until they finally hit granite, when they dug deep, they dug 55 feet to bedrock, 55 feet. Then they removed, are you ready for this, 28,259 truckloads of material. Then they poured two acres of cement. Now that is a foundation, but it pales in comparison to the foundation that we have in Jesus Christ. And when you have a foundation in Jesus Christ, it changes everything. It changes your priorities. It changes your finances. It changes your relationships. It changes your do daily decisions and routines. It changes your dreams. If your life is built on Jesus Christ. And you know what else it does? It gives us hope. It allows us to move forward. Now here at Sherwood Oaks, it's hard to believe. I was thinking about this the other day. I've been here two different times, over 20 years. And there was a, there's been a group that's been with us all the way through this. And it's a group here called the Living Stones. So I contacted a couple of the leaders of the Living Stones. And I, I said, could you just share with me why that name, Living Stones, is such an important name? Glenn Tony said this, Based on scripture, living stones are to grow into a holy priesthood to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to others to be models for Christ. Jeff Carmichael said this, the older and wiser you get, the more you set your foundation on the stone. And these are our living stones. And the church and the community should value them. It's true. Because of the foundation of Christ, we are living stones. It's not about brick and martyr. It's about flesh and blood. It's about taking the church outside of these walls. The key word truly is the word living. And what are we willing to do with the living stones that God has given every one of us to be. What does that mean? It means that our mission is in our homes, it's in our jobs, it's at our school, everywhere we go. People need to experience the life of Jesus Christ. And here's another word picture to help you on your journey. Hebrews 12:1. I love the insights of Randy Alcorn, who has written so much about hope and heaven. 
It talks about this great cloud of witnesses. In other words, he says, when you're going through really difficult times, actually close your eyes and imagine those who have passed on before you, who have laid down these amazing foundational bricks in our life through their lives and their faith. Sometimes it will bring you to tears when you start thinking about the individuals in your life that have given so much, but it inspires you to move forward. It inspires me to move forward. When I go through tough times, sometimes I just close my eyes and I start thinking about men and women in my past that have gone to meet the Lord and it's like a huge stadium and I think, you know what, they're still cheering for me. They're still behind me because they've been through it and there were those that were cheering for them. We are all in this thing together called life and we are living stones. But second of all, look at 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You and me, we are what? A royal priesthood. Now I want you to think about the power of that word. We are a royal priesthood. Now, side note, I grew up in a very traditional church, and we use King James. And in the King James Version, there's a unique word, and it's that we are a peculiar people. Now, don't look at the person next to you, but wouldn't you agree that the church is full of peculiar people? Can I have an amen for that? I don't, have you ever been to a church that doesn't have peculiar people? I'm not saying I'm one of them, but I'm telling you, and we, we, we joke at Sherwood Oaks, the staff, sometimes we'll say, you know, the office has nothing on what goes on at church. We could easily write some episodes. But when I talk about peculiar, here's what I'm talking about. We're different. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, your life really is peculiar. Because everything is changed. You have given everything to Christ, and he has set your path and your direction. And many times that is totally countercultural. We are a royal priesthood. Think about that. Priesthood. A priest would mediate between God and the people. A priest would bring sacrifices, and that was his greatest task, would bring sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And every Sunday, we do the same thing. Every Sunday, we lift up our voices, and we give God a praise sacrifice. If we give through the church, or we are giving to help those that are in need. We are giving finances because that is sacrificial. Everything we are called to do is about sacrifice. But what's amazing is we don't need a priest to have full access to God through Jesus Christ. We have total access to God. Isn't that amazing? That's part of being a priesthood. We gather together and we can confess our sins one to another, but we can call out to God and he is there for us. That is amazing. And most importantly, we sacrifice our time. But we're also royal. Now, when I share that word royal, what comes to mind? I know if you're like me and I have some friends that are pretty shallow and we've had this conversation, what would you do if you won the lotto? Anybody else ever have that conversation? Yeah. Good, I'm glad I'm not the only shallow person. You know, what would you do? And you always say something spiritual like, oh, if I won that lotto, oh, what I'd do for the church. Yeah, right, you'd buy a car first. I mean, we all have that thought 
But get beyond just if you won the lotto. What if you were the CEO of a large corporation for a day? What if you were the president for a day? What if you lived in a country where there was royalty and you literally were royalty? What would that do for you? And what would that do for me? It would change everything. And then he says right here, we really are royalty. Now, here's another reason why that royalty is difficult and in many ways it is peculiar because let's be honest, we may not think we're royal, but we are at the heart of it pretty selfish. If you think about it, a few weeks ago we had the leadership summit here and John Maxwell spoke and I loved his observation about we're all just a little self-centered. Have you ever taken a, a group picture? Now, do you remember back in the day with the old cameras where you wind the little button and you really didn't know how that group picture was going to turn out until it came back. Now it's instant. Now when you take a family picture, now let's, just so you know, give you a little bit of background, the Robertsons take terrible family pictures. I usually come out pretty well, but the rest of the family, <laughs> not too hot. Okay? Matter of fact, I, I should, full disclosure here, uh, uh, Tom and Elsie, their family, they take great pictures. They just always take a great picture. We never can compare to Tom and Elsie and the Els. We just never can. So we're always looking at the picture. But do you know the very first person I look at in every group picture? Just like you. I look at me. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good picture. Well, Dad, everybody's eyes are closed. Yeah, but I look pretty good in that. You know, isn't that how it really plays out? Listen, we're all that way. And if you don't think that's true, what's one of the most popular types of pictures that we all take? Selfies. Now, I hate those. And Marie and I, we were on vacation a few months ago, and I said, let's try one of those selfies and send it back to the kids. Really a bad idea. We never, I mean, we got that, you know, I squint and I'm trying, press the button, press it, you know, look like a train wreck. We can all relate to, if we're serious, we have no problem thinking about ourselves. But that's not what he's talking about. He said, no, no, this is never about you. Peter says, this is about Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ is at the center of your life, you are royalty. You have his blood pulsating through your veins. You are royal. Think about that. Because I guarantee some of you came in here this morning pretty beat up. And life is hard right now. And when you hear words like, royalty, you think, I don't feel very royal. Man, if people have any idea what I've been through, what I've done, I know. Peter says, no, you are royal. You are royal. You can boldly approach God's throne because you belong. Everyone here, you matter to God. Years ago in the 1950s and 60s, there was a popular radio show that then became a TV show Kind of a strange concept. It was called Queen for a Day. I don't know if you ever heard of this show, Queen for a Day. Here's the premise of this show. Uh, Jack Bailey would have a, a studio uh, and full of you know, folks out there. So you have your big audience. So you'd get this applause meter going. And then you'd have a handful of women. And they would share how life was a huge burden. And then whoever had the worst story and the applause went through the roof, they would be queen for a day, and they would get all these prizes. So it goes something like this, because his job was to make the women feel as though maybe it is not as bad as they 
are sharing with everybody. So they would start out and like, maybe a woman would say, I, I just had a terrible, terrible stretch of time. I was uh, walking the other day and I got hit by a bicycle. And he might say, well, but honey, you could have got hit by a car. And she might say, yeah, but my husband was riding the bicycle. And then he said, well, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. But eventually they would get down to the story that would break the audience's heart and then they would be queen for a day. Royalty for a day. But we're all royalty. And it isn't just for a day. Our entire life we're royalty because of Christ. I hope you feel that this morning. I hope you know that you truly are living stones for Christ. That you are a royal priesthood. That we truly, truly matter to God. And I would love as a church family if we would read together 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and just let these words sink into your heart. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You belong to Jesus Christ. 